Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres social hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres social hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey, good evening and welcome to Padres Social Hour. It is a Monday. It is April 13th, and I believe this is our fourth week of doing this show, trying to bring a little normalcy into your lives and uh, appreciate everybody who's been tuning in and uh, joining us and uh, everybody who's helped participate in this show as well. Padres Social Hour presented by Sequana National University. I'm Jesse Agler, joined in a moment by 1976 National League Cy Young Award winner Randy Jones and Ben Higgins from 97.3 The Fan. And speaking of the Padres' uh, flagship radio station, tonight's show will be heard on 97.3 The Fan at 7 o'clock. So we are truly multimedia now, guys. We'll be live online at 5.30 every day uh, with a replay of the show airing at 7. Uh, So, Ben, you've got the the top-rated morning show along with uh, Stephen Woods. Welcome to you and to all of our 97.3 The Fan listeners in the future. Yes, and thank you, Jesse, for giving us the opportunity that I can start the day uh, with Ben and Woods and then finish the day now on Padres Social Hour at 97.3 The Fan. And we're going to, uh, after the Gwen and Chris show, 7 o'clock every night, uh, you can hear the replay, at least the audio replay of Padres Social Hour. So uh, looking forward to teaming up with uh, you guys as long as uh, as this goes on, which we, of course, hope is not that long, but probably going to be a little bit longer. RJ, what do you make of the fact that, that Ben can be heard now at both 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the radio station? And it's always scared me to death when he started this, you know, years ago. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, I don't know how this man does that, you know. Or, yeah, why don't, why don't we run into each other, Ben, at, at Channel 10 and let's, let's tape something on a Sunday. I mean, <laughs> look, you have nothing better to do. You're absolutely amazing. I can't well, believe the hour. I'm doing the 11:30 sportscast right now. I'm actually getting a little sleep, Randy. So <laughs> this is easy stuff for me. Good for I, you. That's yeah. great. But you know, I really like I really like the tip though. At least you did, you show you show up at 5:30 and let let Woods do the first 30 minutes. You know, let him blab. That's just a great idea by you. Yeah, I, I got sleeping privileges on the show. No, uh, you've you earned them with your 11 different jobs. So uh, take advantage of that for as, as long as you <laughs> you. Hope everybody had a great Easter and uh, a nice weekend, everything like that. Uh, you know, our weekend in a weird sort of way begins on Friday. We're doing the show Monday through Thursday uh, because on Fridays, Don and Mud are bringing you uh, Friar Friday's 
virtual broadcasts. Uh, we had the first one the other day. Padres uh, cruised to a 6-4 win over the Dodgers at Virtual Petco Park. Um, this was a lot of fun with Don and Mud. It really, really was. Uh, we have one clip to show you if you missed it. Uh, there is a game, by the way, coming up again this Friday, uh, 5.30. Don and Mud will bring you Padres Giants. I don't think we have the probables just yet in terms of the starting pitcher f- pitchers for that game, uh, but uh, we, they have another broadcast coming. Uh, but I, I want to take everybody back to uh, Friday night. This was probably my favorite moment, and I'll explain why afterwards. Hey, Don, I know the breaks are short in between innings, so I got to go to the bathroom. I'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> you can't do this. Oh, two down, runners at first and second. What people don't know is this happens all the time. Only you can't see this all the time during game. 1-0. Will Smith is outside. always wanted to do the game by myself, truth be told. So here we go. <laughs> I can say whatever I want. Do whatever I want. This is Don TV for intents and purposes. Do all pitch. It's going to miss. Oh, no, it's a strike two and a one. Late call from the home plate umpire. Dave Roberts not happy with that strike call. I'm with you, Dave. Well, that was a little late. Two one pitch coming up here to Will Smith. Late swing, lifts it in the air to right field. That is deep. Back towards the wall, and that ball is caught in right field. The Myers back there to make the catch, and the Dodgers will strand two. This is so enjoyable. Padres are going to And look who's back, Mark Grant. Hey, Johnny, what did I miss? What did Will Smith Smith do? (laughs) Will Smith flied out to deep right field. Gotcha. Well, Mud, we had Don TV there for a while when you left. Yeah, all Don, all the time? Yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> this one is softly grounded back to the mound, and it's Alexander. Fires the first round, number one. I kind of liked it. First I just kind of took mud, over. Mud. Yeah, it was your first mud-free zone of the year. We were in a mud-free zone. We shot your empty chair as we went to break. Yeah. No mud. Mud-free oh, zone. Yeah, it was all Don, because... When I left, see your picture. Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> there you go. That was, uh, yeah, so mud-free zone is a very big deal for Donnie. He, he appreciates and enjoys his mud-free zones when he can. Uh, but when he said this happens all the time, you guys just normally don't get to see it. He was not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form. Mud is very active in the booth, gentlemen. It's getting up to get coffee, a couple hot dogs over the course of the game. He There are, there are swaths of the game that, that at times he misses. So that was very, very funny and far more realistic probably than anybody realized. It's uh, it's quite a world up there, RJ, in that booth. You've been there many it's, times. It's just countless hours up there, guys. And, you know, you, you got you to gotta kind of keep it loose a little bit like that. And I love that they do that. I love their broadcast. And, hey, you know, they're, they're epitomizing what baseball is all about. It's fun, man. And, the indeed, and, they, and they do that very, very well, and I enjoy that very much. But, yes, Jeff, how often do you sneak off while Uncle Teddy's talking and we don't know the <laughs> radio room? Yeah, so that's, the, that's the, the funny, I guess, kicker to the story is that, like, on radio it happens way more than on TV even because generally on TV you're talking to one another more than you are just straight ahead. Radio, you're usually talking more to the audience than you are to one another. You have conversations, but – Generally, you're, you're just sort of talking to the audience on radio. So, yeah, we get up all the time. Like, I, not to get graphic or anything, but, like, I will use the little boys' room 
during the course of a game on the radio, like four or five times, like I drink a lot of water and I'm running back and forth between innings. When I do TV, zero, there is no time unless you're mud to run and uh, use the facilities if you need to. So a little bit, one of the differences between TV and radio. Uh, you, know, you, you know what? I think that color anal- analyzing color, you know, you know, when you're doing radio guys, that's, that's pretty tough. Yeah. You can, you can break it down a little bit, but you know, there's not a whole lot you can say when you're doing color. So you might as well go to the bathroom or go get a ice cream or whatever you want to do. So Jesse, yeah. which ballparks are the best in that the radio booth is closest to the facilities. Should you need to make an emergency run during the game, you don't have very far to go. Thankfully, Coors Field is very convenient. It's right there. Now, I got a good Dodger Stadium story, and I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn. So at Dodger Stadium, the booths are kind of right next to the the writer's press box. And obviously, it's an older facility and everything like that. And the bathroom is kind of all the way down on the other end from us. So it's a little bit of a hike. There is, however, a, uh, I guess it's like a utility closet sort of right behind the Dodger TV booth. And there is a toilet kind of hidden and tucked away in there. And the legend is that that was a request by the only person who would uh, obviously need to have to make that request. I don't know if that's that's true or not, if uh, Mr. Scully asked for that back in the early 60s uh, when Dodger Stadium opened, but or if it came later than that. But that was like the legend I had heard once. So I've never used it. I'm terrified to use that one. It doesn't <laughs> feel like something I'm supposed to do or allowed to do, but it's right behind the booth right there, like in case of a, a true emergency, I guess. Well, if he did request it, I'm sure they would have given it to him. Yeah. That they put anything at Peco Park, but Vinny would get his own facilities if he needed them. His yeah. name should be on the door, man. It should say Vinny. I don't right? you don't want your name on the door of a bathroom, Randy. Oh, hey, Isn't that about sum it up, pal? You know. <laughs> He's got his name on the TV booth. I think that's uh <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably more appropriate. Uh so yeah, Don and Mud. Uh, the best. That was a lot of fun on Friday night. Uh, just an incredible number of people uh, participated in that thing. Gina's exactly right. So they're at it again, 5.30 on Friday. Uh, you can watch it uh, on YouTube, Padres Facebook, Padres Twitter, and on Titch, uh, Twitch, excuse me. And you can use the hashtag FireFaithful to put your pictures up. And during the breaks, they kind of ran fan photos, that sort of thing. So uh, game two is coming up Friday against the Giants. I haven't checked the schedule. I don't know if that game is to be at Oracle Park in San Francisco with the new dimensions or if it's another home game at Petco. But we'll get you some more details on that coming up later in the week. Speaking of new stuff, we have Gamified Padres Social Hour. This is kind of fun. Uh, So here's like the basic information. Starting tonight, you watch the show and you can play along with Padres Social Hour Bingo presented by Saquon Casino Resort. Go to the MLB Ballpark app, check out the Padres section and select Games. Uh, and then you can find it down at the bottom. Now there's two bingo games. You want the social hour bingo, which is the bottom one presented by Saquon. You can play bingo and you earn compadres fan rewards points. So an opportunity to really cash in on our nonsense. I think we have tonight's bingo card, uh, to reference. So you can do that. You got a couple of free spaces there. You got Saquon in the middle. And, uh, so there you go. Oh, see, we came really close. Steven Woods is a guest. No, we have Ben Higgins, his co-host, uh, on the morning radio. So that's unfortunate. Jesse uses a microphone down towards the bottom right. That's easy. That's easy. I've got that. Uh, so anyway, you play this. You can earn some points on the ballpark app. Have some fun. Thankfully, or unfortunately, perhaps for, for you guys at home, there's no square on social hour bingo for urinal discussion. But then the breaks. <laughs> what? I saw a dog barks. Randy, are we? I know. Is any? You got any of your dogs there with you that could bark? I 
No, I, not right now. I don't have mine with me right now. So, you, now if you're going to do this at dinner time, man, you know where they are. They're in the kitchen with Marie. They, <laughs> they, they, these dogs are not stupid. They know right where to be at this time of night. You know, yeah, they're doing that. This guy or by the food. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's continue the video game stuff. How about that? Uh, MLB, uh, as we found out, I guess, late last week, is putting on this tournament. Uh, all 30 teams are represented by one player on their team with uh, MLB The Show 20, the video game. Uh, same game Don and, Don and Munrees, except they're actually playing. They're not just broadcasting it. And uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., the Padre representative. So he played his first games last night. Uh, he went 3-1. and one. These are three-inning games. Uh, he played against Jeff McNeil, the Mets, in the first game. He won 10-5. Uh, he dropped the decision to Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays 6-4. to four. Uh, He dominated Ryan Stanek of the Marlins 7-0. And then he walked off Luke Jackson and the Braves uh, in his fourth game. So I think this is like they're going to play around, Rob, and everybody plays everybody else over the course of the, uh, the virtual season here in three inning games. And uh, Fernando doing an outstanding job, not only because of the win-loss record, because frankly, I, I have no care in the world about the win-loss record, although I guess it was fun to see him go three and one. Uh, but a couple of times he was just absolutely pure Fernando on the stream. And we're going to bring you a couple <laughs> of highlights. This first one, virtual Fernando. So his actual guy, Tatis, is on second base after stealing second. I think it was a walk. He's like, oh, you don't want any part of me. He stole second. He then goes to steal third. And this is what happened. Good lead butter, off butter. the second there. Now the pitch. He swings and misses. Throw down. And this is behind him. Yo! Just like in real life, man. Controlling chaos. Let's do it, baby. Just like in real life, man. Causing chaos. I'm fast. I'm fast. He's the best. That's absolutely like just stellar stuff, Ben. Uh, I mean, I guess for me, the first thing I think of when I see that is, oh my gosh, I miss watching him play baseball so much. But after that, I mean, art imitates life. It does. Um, we actually talked to Cal Ripken Jr. on our show this morning on Ben and Woods, and we asked him about Fernando Tatis Jr. And he said that's one of the first things he notices is when Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the base baths, real or now virtual, um, you just can't take your eyes off of him because it is that that controlled chaos that makes the game so interesting when he's out there, not just with his speed, but he has a way of occupying the attention of the opposing pitcher and the fielder that I think makes everything else easier for his teammates. So it is just so much fun to watch him out on the base paths. Well, I mean, play defense, bat, whatever. It's fun to watch him all the time, but out on the bases especially. Randy, even virtual Fernando Tatis Jr. is wreaking havoc on the base path. Yeah, you know, and it just, and I love the energy, and, and I wouldn't expect nothing less from that young man. And what, what he exemplifies for the game and how much he loves this game, uh, especially a lot of us, you know, from, from our old school guys like myself, you know, I, I love seeing his enthusiasm, his passion for the game. Um, it's magical, and it's, I'm looking forward to seeing it soon. You start thinking a little bit about personality in baseball, and we've all had some version of this conversation on our respective outlets uh, or with one another privately over the course of the last couple of years. Um, th there seems like there was a personality drought in baseball for a little while, and there were exceptions, of course, and I, I never mean to paint with, with too broad of a brush. But, Ben, I mean, you follow the sport very closely. It does seem like, and Fernando is you know at the top of the list, it seems like we're turning a corner with that a little bit, league-wide. Yeah. I mean, there's always been at least – the last decade, two decades, kind of a herd mentality. Players don't really want to stand out. And 
Now you'd have veteran players that might snap them back a little bit. If a young player showed personality, that was frowned upon in a lot of locker rooms. Like, hey, you haven't paid your dues yet. Uh, what are you two are you trying to be? Get all the attention. You know, we've had veterans who have been here for a long time. Just put your head down, you know, put your work in. And then when you're a veteran, maybe you can show some personality. But by the time they've done that for five or six years and they become a veteran, it's so ingrained that you don't show any personality that it's kind of too late. So if you're going to have baseball players who are allowed to have fun out there, who are allowed to show who they are, you have to let them do it when they're young, when they first get out there or else they'll they'll develop those habits like no, no interesting quotes, no having fun, no dancing out there. So I love that, that Fernando Tatis Jr. not only is doing it, but he's been encouraged by his teammates and his manager and his coaches to do it as well because they they love it as much as anyone. So I think when you're as good as he is too. I mean, I expect that. I would I would expect nothing else. And, and what a catalyst he is for that ball club we saw last year before his injury. You know, the difference that he made day in and day out uh, is absolutely magical. And you know, like you're talking about old school and the way it was, and it was when I broke in the same way. You know, be quiet, speak when you're spoken to, but that's a different era, different talent of, of, of ball player. And, you know, we are, uh, you know, we are uniquely, you know, witnessing, you know, one of the really unique ball players, I think, right now. And once we get the opportunity, yeah, he's going to make an impact in the game. It's fun. There's really this like core of really exciting young guys right now. Juan Soto wins the World Series with the Nationals last year. Acuna has been to the postseason with Atlanta. Fernando Tatis Jr. obviously hopefully on his way to that. Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, both in Toronto, uh, among others. I mean, that's, you know, before we even get to Mike Trout, who's a, a transcendent talent on the field, if not personality. It's a, it's a fun time for baseball. And this is a great way to showcase some of these personalities right now, which I appreciate Randy was, do you think there was more personality maybe in the seventies among players than there was like in the two thousands? I'm, I'm feeling like this is more cyclical and ebb and flow than it is necessarily about like a particular era. No, I definitely think there's more personality then. I, you know, number one, the money wasn't in the way to be honest with both of you guys, you know, we, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't getting rich playing the game. We were playing the game for a bubblegum card guys. And we, we, we love the game. And I think our personalities would come, come across. Yeah. We competed and, we get mad at each other, but still, there was a lot of personality out on the field. I mean, a lot of times, I don't know if the fans could, you know, they couldn't hear it, but they could see it. And I think we had a lot of that. We had a lot, you know, you, I'll start with Mark DeBird, Fidrich, and hey, you can work your way around all the rest of the players. We had some beauties out there playing the game with their superstitions. And and I don't know if everybody knew them, but we we all, has, as players, had a pretty good idea. And we'd watch them just to entertain. They'd entertain us just by what they were doing. And I, you know, I think in the, yeah, when, when the money kind of changed the game, everybody got a little more serious, thought they better handle themselves, maybe a, a little more major league, whatever that means. But, uh, I'm not sure. Can I, uh, can I bring up one quick thing, Jesse? Oh, of course. It's your I, show. Well, I, you know, I, I just want to express my, uh, my regrets and condolences to the Beckard family, Glenn Beckard passing away this past weekend. And, uh, a teammate of mine in 75, um, I had some great memories of him. He taught me, a, he taught me a lot about being a major league baseball player in spring training. I had to room with him for a couple of road trips because we had road trips up to Phoenix. And, uh, and you might say that, yeah, he took me under his wing. I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunately, you guys, but <laughs> I think uh, overall, just what a, what a great baseball guy. And uh, you talk about a love for the game and, uh, you know, going to be missed. He really is. I just, uh, you know, sorry to hear that, but you know, Glenn Becker, great ball player, guys.
Yeah, very nice tweet you put out earlier today along those lines as well. And uh, boy, I can only imagine a road trip from Yuma up to Phoenix uh, for spring training in the seventies, as we talk about the personalities and the hijinks of, uh, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, you're, you're rolling to Tucson, you're playing the Cleveland Indians, my roommate, Glenn Beckert. And the first thing I know is I'm, I'm sitting between Glenn Beckert and Boog Powell at a bar, you know, at happy hour after the, after the game, after the day game, that's just not a good scenario. Gentlemen, it wasn't a good scenario. High Corbett field. You can only see yes. it in your league now, right? Good job, Ed. Yeah, it was high Corbett field. <laughs> That's beautiful. It might not could have been uh, great for the like the physical conditioning, but it was probably great for the the stories that you have all these oh, years later. Unbelievable. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. <laughs> well, very nice, and and certainly thank you for sharing that, Ben. If I had to ask you and put you on the spot, the the golden era of baseball personalities, what would you say? <sighs> The golden era, I, you know, I was kind of thinking like you were thinking just of the 70s and the colorful characters, uh, the facial hair, you know, the goose gossages of the world. He obviously played into the 80s, obviously, with the Padres as well. But um, those were kind of the ones that I always think of when I think uh, personality. But I want to go back to just one point you made earlier because you were talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. and some of the young stars, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You mentioned Bo Bichette. I don't think it's any coincidence that these guys are sons of Major League Baseball players, and they may feel a little more comfortable showing their personality because they've been around the game their entire life and maybe not quite as intimidated by a Major League clubhouse as uh, someone whose dad wasn't part of that scene and they didn't quite grow up in the same environment. So that might be helping some guys feel a little more comfortable uh, when they get up to the big leagues, even at a young age. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. And when those guys kind of become thought leaders, then everybody else is able to follow in line a little bit, uh, even if they're not, you know, first generation types. I think there's a lot of factors. Certainly, you just saw one of the tweets pop up on the screen, too, uh, that, you know, like the the marketing is caught up to it a little bit. Baseball is really for the first time in a long time embracing, you know, some of the personalities. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you go back to Fidrich in the 70s or, you know, the Mets and the Cardinals of the 80s. You had a lot of great personalities there. Uh, it looks like we're sort of starting to enter another golden era of personality in baseball, which I think is going to be very, very positive for uh, for the sport overall. And certainly Fernando is at the middle of that. One other video on a play from last night. It's mentioned he walked off uh, in his last game against the Braves. Uh, coincidentally, uh, Luke Jackson. Remember, these are three inning games. So he's got Manny at the plate. Tie game, bottom of the third, bottom of the final inning. Uh, enjoy Fernando Tatis Jr. for the win. <laughs> down and in and out. Try not to throw it right down the middle of the play. Oh! Turns on one and sends it to deep. Oh! It's gone. Santa Maria. Game over. Mr. Throwback. That's why. Many Machado, ladies and gentlemen. That's why. That's why. Manny Machado. Oh, we're going home happy. Let's go to celebrate to the beach now. <laughs> Manny, meaning be Manny. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. <laughs> I think he hit a Manny being Manny. He hit sorry about it. One other, and one of the other ones, by the way, that I don't even think we played, he dropped a piece of Mahato. He's taking everybody's stuff. It's great. Like he's just having so much fun. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love that stuff. That's why we pay him the money. That's why we pay him the money. <laughs> Someone had the idea on Twitter that uh, the Padres should put those celebrations on the video board when we get back. When he hits a home run or Manny hits a home run, we can just pop up that video up on the uh, 
the big HD screen and, and celebrate along with him. At least the audio. Like, at least we should be able to play some of uh, Tatis <laughs> celebrating and going crazy on the. Oh, that's such a good idea. We're writing that one down. Very, very, very nice. That's great, man. All right, so that's uh, Fernando and his uh, 30-team, 30-player uh, MLB The Show tournament playing against other big leaguers. Uh, he'll be back in action in a couple of days. He went 3-1 and one, uh, to start his round-robin tournament, and as you saw, he walked off his final game. I like that we're keeping standings. I, it's something to do, something to do. All right, as for actual baseball and when it may return, uh, we did get another report, I think it was on Friday, about another potential plan that Major League Baseball was kind of kicking around with the Players Association. Now, if you remember, last Monday we talked about how the latest thing that had kind of leaked out of the world was uh, this plan of putting everybody inside the biosphere, basically, in Arizona. All 30 teams would be there. You'd play at the spring training ballparks. You'd play at Chase Field, maybe at ASU. Um, try and do anything you possibly could to, to get those games in and, and sequester everybody in as safe of an environment as was possible. So I guess version two of that plan was kind of something we found out about in USA Today, Bob Nightingale, on Friday. And this was similar but different in that they were going to split uh, basically into cactus and grapefruit leagues. Now, on its face, to me, this made a lot more sense because you could have the teams at their facilities. So you have medical facilities there. You have, you know, just sort of the comfort of like your clubhouses and your practice fields. And, you know, you, you have workout rooms, everything like that. Everybody has their own place. And to make that work, they went fully geographical here with the standing. So you see the Padres there are in the Southwest division of the Cactus League. And truly, there was never a day in my life when I thought I'd be saying those words out loud. Uh, mm -hmm. But it would be with the Brewers, you know, who are down in Maryville, not far uh, down the road. Seattle, of course, they share the complex. Uh, the Rangers and the Royals who shared their place in surprise. You don't even have to get on the freeway to get to that place. You just hop on Bell Road and drive west for about 20 minutes. So obviously geography playing a, a huge role in this plan. Um, I thought, again, kind of coming out of this thing over the weekend, that that probably made a little bit more sense just in terms of, you know, limiting the, the craziness. Now you'd be playing the same teams probably over and over and over again, but whatever, the, the year is going to be weird. But then Jeff Passan of ESPN was on TV this morning, guys, and, and he said, if they're going to do any plan like this, it's probably the original plan where everybody is in one place. Uh, he also said at some point, they're just going to have to say, hey, here's our plan and start working out some of the details. Even if it may not be realistic to do it from a health standpoint, you have to start the planning you know, procedures, I guess. Ben, what do you make of the two plans and your thoughts on the viability, I guess? Well, my first thought when I saw that uh, the plan with the different divisions in the Cactus League was that division is winnable <laughs> with the Brewers and the Royals and the Mariners. Padres take a step forward. The Brewers, a lot of people thought might take a step back this year. Padres could win that division and make whatever playoffs uh, they decide to have at the end of the season. It, it's so hard, Jesse, though, to know where we're going to be in two weeks, in a month, in a month and a half, um, you know, maybe cases spike in Arizona and go way down in Florida or vice versa. And until we really know that, I mean, it's great to have all these plans out there and have some different options. But if we're putting all of our eggs in any of those baskets, I think we might be setting ourselves up for a little disappointment uh, because we just don't know what's to come in the next, you know, few weeks. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very hard to try and get too far in front of anything. We're dealing with a global health crisis, and it's like important to remember that sometimes. And as I said last week, I certainly understand Rob Manfred and his staff, Tony Clark and his staff, you know, trying to work on different contingencies and possibilities. Um, that's what they should be doing. They're not coming up with the vaccine. They're not going to be the ones uh, to get diagnostic testing into every doctor's office in America. Uh, so, yeah, let them worry about baseball. Um, but it's really, really hard, like you said, to put your eggs in a basket and say, all right, here's what the plan is going to be. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that's kind of the way they have to get there. The other crazy wrinkle that kind of came out over the weekend was Tim Kirchin, a uh, very well-respected guy um, in baseball media for a long time now with ESPN. Uh, he goes on and says that uh, he heard from somebody in baseball a couple of weeks ago that there was a, I don't know if it was a plan as much as a thought or a theory floated out there that they would play all the games in Japan. Uh, because uh, Japan, from a virology standpoint, I guess, was going to be a little bit ahead, obviously, of where the United States uh, is, and that the Japanese league would play their games at night. Uh, the major leagues would play their games earlier in the day, sharing stadiums and facilities and that kind of stuff. That seemed to get shot down from other people pretty quickly. But, I mean, it just shows you, I guess, Randy, like the open-mindedness of baseball and the Players Association right now. It, it sounds like there's nothing they're not willing to discuss, at least. Well, that, I think they can talk about it, guys. But, you know, like, uh, you know, something in Arizona or, you know, as long as there's a contingency plan, if we get back to some kind of normalcy and people go back to work, you know, where we can open up the ballparks, and you, we got to be all for that. And logistically, maybe that's impossible this year. Maybe you got to write this whole year off and, and go with this game plan. But, you know, I definitely don't, I don't see all of our players traveling to Japan and, and may make it a season out of this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying that. Yeah. You know, I think, I think we can figure it out here before we logistically move everybody to Japan for God's sake. Yeah. I don't think that one's particularly. I'm not, not, I don't want thing. I don't want thing, boys. We're we're not going to many games. You three of us, we're not going. Okay. (laughs) They're in Japan. I don't think so, Ben. You know, I know Woods isn't. He ain't invited. True. That, that might be the safest option, but it also is the most logistically challenging one, uh, considering the time differences. And it's going to be hard enough for players to be quarantined kind of on their own in Arizona, if that's what it's going to be. Can you imagine if they're thousands of miles away across the Pacific Ocean? Now, maybe, you know, you can say, well, what does it matter? If you're not seeing your family, you're not seeing your family. I think it makes a difference to people oh, know how far away they are. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does, especially if an emergency situation comes up and you're going to leave. It's a lot easier to fly from Phoenix to wherever than it is uh, Japan to wherever, obviously. I agree. Not very realistic at all. Passon did also say that, you know, the idea would always be if they did the, the biosphere idea in Arizona, that they would hope that after some period of time, whatever it would be based upon health circumstances, they'd be able to at least go back to the home markets, you know, for the remainder of the season. But again, it's such an impossible thing to try and predict and get in front of uh, who knows. The, the thing that it keeps coming up also about Arizona, and this is to me probably like the least important part of the conversation, but I have an interesting anecdote, so I'm going to bring it up. A lot of people have brought up the weather and the heat uh, in the Phoenix area, obviously, during the summer months. And it is oppressively and legitimately hot. I think most people know that. We play the Diamondbacks in July. Luckily, it's a dome stadium. But, you know, it can be 118 degrees outside, and you start thinking about playing outdoor baseball in that weather. Um, so, you know, I, I've heard people on both sides talk about that. Some people are saying, hey, look, it's their athletes. They'll be fine. Drink extra water. Other people saying, hey, no way. You know what? I want any part of that. Um, in the AZL, the rookie league that, that's played in Arizona at a lot of the spring training facilities during the summer, Uh, Somebody told me once that for batting practice, and I don't know if this is every team, but at least some of the teams do this. They, 
first of all, only play night games because of how hot it is during the day. And for BP, the whole team does not come out to the fields to take batting practice because it's just too hot. You stay inside and stretch, lift, whatever you're doing to get ready for the game until it's your group's turn to hit in batting practice. Then you go outside. That's how hot it is there. They don't want to expose the guys to heat for longer than they have to. Um, so if they're doing that for 18 year old and 19 year old kids who are, you know, playing their first seasons in pro ball, uh, you start, yeah. you know, the viability of doing that for, for big leaguers with, with big time money. All I, all I know is the pitchers aren't shagging. I like it. I like that idea. We don't have to shag. I like it. Sign you up for it. Yeah. Anyway. So that's, uh, that's kind of the latest on, on what could be going on uh, with major league baseball. You know, I, I think as, as we said though, the the main takeaway from any of these conversations is we don't know nothing and uh, we just got to wait and see and and continue to prioritize health and kind of see where that all takes us. We don't know. They are playing professional baseball though uh, in Taiwan, the CPBL, the uh, Chinese professional baseball league kicked off this weekend. Uh, We have video in just a moment of the first home run. In any real game, I guess, uh, in all of 2020, you know, I saw this going around on social media over the weekend, guys, just hearing the announcers, even though I, I do not speak or understand the language, but just hearing the announcers getting excited, seeing the ball go over the fence. Uh, this this got me like a little bit emotionally. I was like, man, it's different than watching highlights of old games. This is from this weekend. Here you go. The very first professional home run of 2020。So a lot to get to, obviously. One, like I said, it, I, I got some feels uh, just from listening to that and watching that. But nobody in the ballpark, obviously, from a fan standpoint, that's, you know, still unusual for my brain, although it might be something we end up having to get a little bit used to for a little while here in 2020. Uh, but you heard some cheering, which was good. Uh, I imagine that was from the bench uh, and and maybe some workers, you know, who were somewhere in the ballpark. Uh, but I, I tell you what, there's oddly comforting to see this for me, Ben. It really was. Fire the pitching coach, fire the manager, <laughs> send the pitching back down to the minors. Come on, let's go. This is real baseball now. We can't be giving up home runs in the second and like that. No, I, I thought the background noise was actually the thing that I noticed as well. There was the, it's kind of an echoey sort of aspect of it. And I realized if there is baseball here, we're going to have to get used to that as well. That uh, exciting moments aren't going to be punctuated by that crescendo of crowd noise that we're so used to. It's going to be kind of echoey, a little Halloween sounding, but it looks like baseball and I, I'll take it. If we can get something like that, I'd be very, very happy um, sometime it, later this year. Come on, guys, it's 2020. We can plug in all that sound. We can do this. Well, huh? this is the same league. We talked about it last week where well, the one team was experimenting with robot fans uh, <laughs> that were going to make some noise and everything like that. But you're right. You could pipe in crab noise if you really want to. Yes, you, you can do that. Come on, Ben. We, we definitely do. I heard we the should... robot Dodger fans got kicked out of the stadium for rowdy behavior. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame them. I'd make them pay for parking twice. That's what I do. You know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it would it, it's an interesting yeah. conversation. Do you treat it like a sitcom where you have like a laugh track, like a cheer track? Or do you treat it like covering a real event, you know, and saying, hey, this is what it is. We're going to present it as it is. How produced, I guess, do you want the thing to sound on radio and, and look on television? That's a deep philosophical discussion. Ben, you're a professional in that field. What do you think? Well, I, I, I think you have to cover it the way it, it, it sounds. I mean, that's what the game is. And you know, Randy, if you gave up a home run, at least at least you wouldn't have to hear everyone yelling and booing at you, you know, in the stadium. That would be a, a plus, right, for a pitcher. 
Well, if it's that quiet, man, they might hear me cussing. That's what makes me nervous. <laughs> that, <laughs> is, be able to... that is the danger with ball players out there. you got to be careful the now. They're going to pick up yeah, a lot but... more than they used to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I can I can't even imagine you guys getting getting all these ballplayers in, in an empty stadium, in an empty ballpark, playing a game. I, I mean, I don't I don't know where you can get the adrenaline, the intensity you need. I'm sorry, man. That that can be a pretty loose ball game. That yeah. might be a little bit more like towards your backyard than than a big league ball game. I'm, I apologize, but I really think you might see a few more smiles, a little more laughing, and I don't know if you can get, get to that level to be that competitive without all the fans. I don't it, know. It, it's a great question. It's a fair question. It's one of those things we won't know until the bell rings. Right. Um, I, I lean, and you know better than I, but like I lean towards the competitive juices for these guys at some point will kick in unless it really does feel farcical. And you would really hope, I think, that MLB and the teams and the facilities would do everything they could to really make it feel as big league as possible, even without the crowds. Because you're right, if it does start to feel like a, a B game at spring training in front of three scouts, that that could be you know bad, I think, for everybody. But I agree. Once, once you get into the competitive mode, I would think. I think know, it's probably Jr. stepping in against Clayton Kershaw. They're, there's not going to be any worry that they're not competitive. No one wants to be be made look foolish on television, even if there's no fans there. So I, well, I, I think here. on the other side of the coin, though, you're going to get both. You're going to get the competitors. Don't get me wrong. You know, the guys are going to compete when they want to. But also on, on, on those loose ends or idle time, I think you're going to see a little bit more fun, a little bit more smiles. And I mean, I think you're going to see looser ball players in, in that scenario. I mean, the competitive part, when you get right down to it, you know, yes, but I mean, overall, uh, it's going to be a bit looser on the field. I just, it, it has to be. It's human nature. There's no fans in there. Yeah. Well, maybe looser could be good. Maybe that could go back to the personality. I mean, what, do, what do you, what do you do after the third out? You know, really keep the baseball. You can't throw it in the stands. There's nobody in there. So what are you going to do? Take it to the dugout? We're going to save billions. We're going to save billions on baseballs. That's all I can say. You've got you it know. all figured out. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, lots happening in the world, obviously, and, and we've been really trying hard on the show, I think, to, to balance best we could, uh, you know, the real life situations, the baseball talk and also some silliness. We certainly want to be here as a distraction, a diversion uh, and a source of uh, some smiles. But we also want to remind everybody about uh, important things happening, particularly in our community. And our friend Kyle Kraska of Channel 8 uh, is uh, working with the Red Cross tomorrow for a big time blood drive and uh, had a chance to chat with Kyle earlier today to talk about everything that's going on in, in his world and what we can do from a, a blood donation standpoint here in San Diego. All right, Kyle. So what is life like right now on the air uh, for a sportscaster in this country, in this world, I guess? Yeah, it's obviously very different with no live sports. So we're trying to tell stories now, and certainly there are a lot of stories out there. There's been plenty of, of sports news. I mean, as you know, with baseball trying to make some sort of a comeback in some way, shape, or form, the ideas of getting back to spring training homes. I think when people hear at least some optimism that sports may be coming back eventually on the horizon, these are kind of things we, we talk about. We're also profiling a lot of local athletes. As you know, a lot of seniors saw their uh, high school collegiate uh, career suddenly come to an end because of the pandemic. So we've been telling a lot of these stories and honoring a lot of these uh, individuals. And we're getting a lot of help from the public, to be honest with you. We've put the call out to folks to, to tell us uh, 
stories you want to see on the air. Uh, we've got a feature going on right now called My Favorite Photo. People send in their favorite sports photo of all time and a brief video talking about why it's so important to them. And we put these stories together and share them with the audience. So we've been very interactive and uh, we've been staying really busy, to be honest with you, albeit in a different setting. As you can see, uh, I've now got a TV studio set up in my living room. I was going to say, this is pretty good. I mean, this is looks like a, a big time setup as compared to what a lot of people have, myself included. I'm not trying to take any credit for anything I've done here. I've got a hat on a pump. I mean, what, what, what's new here? This looks really good. Yeah, you know what? Thanks uh, to the help of our crew at uh, Channel 8. Uh, they've set me up with some cool things. We've got a, a light you can see uh, over this shoulder here. Uh, i got a light and a scrim. I really shoot the whole thing on a phone that goes to show you how great the technology is today. I use a a Galaxy uh, S10, and we can actually go live from my living room. I've got a couple of monitors back there that are hooked up to a computer so we can change graphics while I'm on there. So honestly, just trying to make it look still as uh, as professional as possible, as normal as possible, while many of us are broadcasting from our living rooms, our kitchens, our backyards. And I'll tell you what, to all the, the people out there doing that, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see how we've taken this need to try to still inform people, um, get them the news they want on a, on a daily basis and, and people literally broadcasting from their home. So it was to show you where the technology is at these days and where the need is at. Yeah, the technology and the ingenuity. A lot of people working hard to make kind of stuff like this happen. It's not necessarily as easy as it looks. Uh, we saw the NBA thing over the weekend. Maybe that was a good example of that. Uh, moving away from sports, though, obviously, as you kind of alluded to, so many other things going on in the world right now, even aside from the coronavirus yeah. pandemic. Uh, we, we talked about it recently on the show. The need for blood donations in this community is still a very big deal. And along those lines, you uh, hooked up with the Red Cross. Great event coming up tomorrow. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful to the Red Cross, as I'm sure a lot of people in this community know that uh, blood donation is very important to me. Five years ago, I was shot six times, and at that time, I needed 14 units of blood, and, and that inspired our annual celebration of Heroes Blood Drive, in which San Diego comes out in full force. This past February, uh, 500 units of blood were donated, and when all this came about, and I was talking with the Red Cross, they explained that, you know, uh, coronavirus has stopped or postponed so many things, but the need for blood is simply not one of them. This need goes on every day, and yet we've had thousands of blood drives canceled because of facilities have essentially been closed down. So we talked and said, how can we do this? How can we get people to come out and donate blood? And that's when I reached out to Pachanga Arena, Ernie Han, the GM, and said, you're not using the arena right now. Any chance we could do a blood drive on the floor of the arena and talking with the Red Cross, they said giving blood is safe. They could spread out all of the beds, all the equipment they needed to very safe distances, adhering to all of the social distancing requirements. And they said, yeah, if we can get into Pachanga Arena, we can do it right on the floor. So we've booked it tomorrow from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. All appointments are full. No walk-ups, unfortunately, are allowed. But we're going to get a lot of blood tomorrow for our community, and it is something that is so sorely needed. That's remarkable. How, how quickly did this fill up when you all made the announcement that you're going to be doing this event? Within days, literally within days. We put the word out. Uh, we created the schedule where people could go online, redcrossblood.org. And I encourage people, if you can give blood, if you're healthy, please go there. And, and there are other drives available. But we put the word out there. It immediately filled up. I mentioned it on Channel 8 and on my social media. And thanks to, to great folks, uh, Padres included, all the local sports teams helping me get the word out. It filled up quickly. Jesse, people want to help right now. You know, people are sitting at home 
and feeling somewhat isolated, alone, maybe feeling that they want to do something, but they don't know what to do. And, and donating blood is a great option. You know, uh, someone needs a blood transfusion in the United States every two seconds. There are children at Rady Children's Hospital that are having blood transfusions. And families are worried that this is going to get to a point that that blood that they so rely on is just simply not going to be there because literally thousands and thousands of blood drives have been canceled. So this is just one small way we hope that not only are we having a blood drive tomorrow, but we're also getting the awareness out there, letting people know we need this. Blood donation is safe. Go to the Red Cross, go to the San Diego Blood Bank, wherever you want to go and please help out. This is just the first of many. We're hoping to do another one next month and the month after and the month after that. Yeah, wonderful work in this community. And as you said, just a critical cause uh, for so many people. Kyle, wonderful work. Thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, glad to see you. Glad to see you're doing well. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon on Channel 8. All right, Jesse, thank you so much for the time. And again, to everybody out there, thank you so much for supporting this effort. Big thanks to Kyle Kraska, Channel 8, for joining us earlier today. Wonderful event going on tomorrow. Huge thank you to everybody who helped organize that. And, of course, everybody who is uh, working it, volunteering at it, and, of course, participating by donating. Uh, can't continue to stress this enough. It's such an important thing that is kind of easy to push aside right now uh, because of everything going on. But the San Diego Blood Bank, the Red Cross, all doing a, a phenomenal job making sure there are safe environments uh, to donate blood, even uh, in the midst of what we are all dealing with. Um, back to sports with Randy Jones and, and Ben Higgins. Uh, yesterday, uh, we saw the NBA try and put on a, a horse competition. I shouldn't have said try. That was mean, meaner than I intended <laughs> it to be. Uh, it didn't get like the greatest reviews ever, I guess. Uh, you know, they had guys and, and gals kind of tape themselves and, and they put it together and it didn't, it didn't go great. But like, as someone who's attempting to put something together with, you know, scotch tape and shoestring right now like i i understand where they're coming from uh but you know the video wasn't great and people started dragging them on twitter and ah this is terrible you see how glitchy it is and everything like that i i wouldn't necessarily go that route personally i think everybody's trying their best we're in uncharted territories here you know just trying to produce something uh that would be entertaining for people like something to watch other than you know streaming services something new something fresh something topical uh something familiar and comfortable certainly uh so again i'm not i'm not going to rip them but it, it was a little clunky and people got on them and then we find out also that uh for the upcoming nfl draft which is going to be fully virtual uh roger goodell the commissioner of the national football league is going to be announcing the first round picks from his basement which i thought was just kind of funny uh you know they didn't say his house like they said, his basement, which sort of <laughs> is like an odd detail to include. I don't know why, but to me it was. And like that might not go off without a glitch technically. Ben, you're obviously doing television from home. You're doing radio from home. We're doing streaming from home. This is not a simple thing whatsoever. Um, so I give kudos to everybody who's trying, uh, no matter the results, I guess. But let me ask you, do you think as a television professional uh, coming out of all of this, when things return to some semblance of normalcy, Will like our standards as consumers of, of television have altered, do you think? Like, are we going to be less concerned about production values or is it just going to kind of snap back to where we once were? First of all, um, I'm from San Diego. What's a basement? Got no idea. <laughs> yeah. um, second of all, I, you know what? I think people have been very understanding. I have not heard one complaint from viewers about, oh, yeah, it doesn't look quite as sharp. The picture from a reporter who's been doing a story for 10 news at home or, oh, the lighting looks weird. I mean, I haven't heard any of that. People care more about the content. Now, I do think people will appreciate it when 
you know, interaction is hard over these, you know, these conferences like this. It's not nearly as easy as me sitting in the same room with you and Randy and talking. We can, you know, have little hand cues and, uh, you know, eye contact that makes these conversations a little bit easier. So I don't think you're ever going to replace that. But I think we've just added another, uh, you know, we've added another arrow to our quiver that we can use if, if, if ever circumstances require uh, we know now how to broadcast live from home and kind of make it work, at least uh, for a little while. You know, I think one of the important things, too, is being able to do this, what we're doing in the social hour, an, an hour every every evening right now. I think it's special. It's just, hey, we're all in this together. And that's and then we continue. That's what we're doing. We're reminding everybody, hey, hey, we're all going through this. We're all in this together. We got to get through it, stay strong, and, and, and try to keep it positive and you know, and then and there's a, another aspect of that. And I, and I really strongly believe that when we come back, it'll, it'll go back to a, a normalcy of expectations from, from, from Ben, from you people that are doing it, you know, on the air and from us watching at home. I think there, there's an expectation of, of back to normalcy. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's just kind of an interesting thing that I was kicking around, and I figure as long as uh, Ben was here today, might as well ask him. Good question uh, coming in, by the way. You can you can fire your questions at us, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever, and uh, we, we can get to a couple of those. Uh, ben, uh, this is, is a good catch here. He wants to know if Quiver uh, was your incorporator word for today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just use weird words as a matter of course. You know that. Just throw them all in. But yeah, I just found the comments on the side of my screen over here. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, they're just scrolling over. We see everything. We don't put them all up, but we see them all. And I, uh, I, all right, last, I, uh, I, I, I did notice that too. I noticed that you said quiver. I'm like, What's that on about? Yeah, I know what it is. That's what I mean. Yeah, and you should know better than anyone. I'll yeah. shoot good arrow. All right, I'll get a chance. How's the orchard, arrow. by the way? What are you growing right now? Uh, well, right now it's a little bit idle, man. We're, we're in springtime, so everything's blossoming. The blooms are out, and I got apples, I got oranges, uh, I got you know, you know, plenty of little buds on about twenty trees. You know, from uh, plums to apricots to the avocados, they're all doing really, really. They look strong. They're getting plenty of water. Let me put it that way, gentlemen. Unbelievable, huh? Unbelievable. Huh? Unreal. Yeah. You can any. You should huh? grow some low quats. Low quats? No, I haven't tried those yet. They're not, they're not on my they're not on my menu. Let me put it that way. Right? Yellow, right? They're kind of like big lemon type. Uh, uh, low quats are the small. I actually had one the other day. It's a little orange. It's like a little tiny apricotty, but juicier. It's pretty good, actually. Okay. I'm surprised. All right. Well, yeah. maybe we'll plant from the back this weekend. We got like, plenty of time for uh, harvesting. Yeah, that's great, Ben. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, the goal of every athlete, of course, uh, is to win a ring. You know, that's that's why everybody does it. Uh, that's what they're all chasing. And uh, for the rest of us, uh, the mere mortals, of course, it, it's only a dream, you know, to be able to take home a ring. However, you, yes, you, any one of you now have the opportunity to have your very own 2017 World Series ring. That would be an Astros ring, which uh, you could say comes with an asterisk if you'd like it to. Uh, it's the first one up for sale now. Uh, Astros scout David Brito has uh, put his World Series ring up for auction from 2017. Uh, Golden Auctions, Golden with an I, is uh, the company that's taking care of the business aspect of this. Um, you know, all three of us, I guess, who are very fortunate that we've been around people who have won rings. And so we've gotten to see these things up close and in person. They are just so staggering today. They really are like that picture. I haven't seen, I have seen the Astros one. That doesn't do it justice. 
Um, it really doesn't. Like it's it's far more blingy and ostentatious than it even appears uh, in in these photographs. Uh, but it, probably not going to be cheap. But if you want to uh, go ahead and own a, a weird piece of history, your your opportunity is out there. It's always wild. You never know when these things come up for sale, guys. And Randy, what do you think? Twenty seventeen Astros. I'll pass. I got really interested in that ring. You know, it's a weird one, right? Like Ben, even if you're a big time Astro fan. Like, do you feel odd about 2017 right now? And putting aside the fact that it's going to cost way more money than anybody's going to actually be able to afford. But like, if you're an Astro fan, how how do you feel about that team right now? You think? I not not good enough to spend a few thousand dollars on a championship ring. I've yeah. got the perfect solution though. The Dodgers, you know, complaining they should have won it. They can just buy up all the rings and rewrite yeah. it themselves. There you go. Cody Bellinger can purchase that, and then mm-hmm. he can feel like he won the World Series. Yeah. Uh, three years ago. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. this, I noticed this as well. Uh, it says earned history. That was like their slogan, you know, in the postseason or afterwards. And doesn't hold up great. Does not hold up great. All right. This was a lot of fun today. Uh, thanks to everybody for hanging out. RJ, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I also uh, I want to mention and, and everything we're doing here in our community. And I know the Randy Jones Foundation, we uh, joined the social tap. In the social tap right there by the ballpark at Petco, uh, they are feeding you know all the nurses, the doctors, all the cares at all the all the hospitals. They're sending sending out fresh meals, hundreds and hundreds every day of fresh meals to them. So, if you want to get involved that way and maybe help the social tap, uh, you can go through the Randy Jones Foundation, make donations. But uh, they're literally putting hundreds and hundreds of meals out every single day for all these nurses and doctors that are putting countless hours in trying to save lives. So. That we, you know, I, I know they could use the help. Beautiful. Thank you for everything you're doing, Social Tap, and for bringing that up. Where can people go to get more information? How they can participate? Yeah, you, uh, Randy Jones, you know, the Randy Jones Foundation dot com. You get all the information there and donate and, and get involved with Brant. Brant over there, the owner, uh, has done a wonderful job, and I just can't. I, I'm just, I'm really proud of what he's been able to do, and we want to continue this and make a difference here in our community. Well, there it is. How about that? That's that's a live look at Social Tap. That was unplanned. Yeah. Oh, nice work in the control room. Very impressive. <laughs> uh, ben, thank you as well. Final thoughts for Mr. Higgins. Thank you, Jesse. I just want to remind everybody that they can now listen to Social Hour every Monday through Thursday, starting at seven o'clock on 97.3 The Fan. So if you miss any of this show, it starts over from the beginning at seven o'clock on the radio. And then obviously you leave your radio tuned and uh, in the morning you can wake up uh, with Ben, Stephen Woods, Paul Rondell, a whole crew of uh, wonderful, wonderful I couldn't people. have said it better myself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Randy on the head now. Yeah. Bye, guys. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. We'll uh, do it again tomorrow. I believe uh, the idea is to have a very big guest on tomorrow's show. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and you'll have to tune in to find out. Thanks again to Ben and to RJ and everybody working behind the scenes, Cole and Nikki and Shannon, uh, for putting this thing together live. Bingo. I think I have bingo. Hold on. Oh, no, oh, wait. Yeah, bingo. I don't have it yet. I, I was trying to play, man. I, I never figured it out. Let me open my ballpark app. Let me see if I can get somebody a cheap win right now. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the wrong app. Uh, ballpark. Can we get the bingo card back up? There it is. There it is. All right. Padres, I'm clicking games, and then I'm scrolling down to social hour bingo, uh, play. All right, let's see. Nobody's got a beard today. You know what? 
We haven't mentioned Eric Cosmer today. Let's go ahead and mention Eric Cosmer. Oh, there you go. There's there you go. That, could, yeah, that could be bingo right there. It, it could be, but someone's going to have to do that. All right. Anyway, play bingo with us uh, on the Ballpark app. We will talk to everybody tomorrow night at 530. I'm ending this now before it goes any further off the rails. Have a great night. Stay safe. Wash your hands. And uh, we'll talk to everybody tomorrow night at 530. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.